In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's not a victory Monday. It's a depressing day. I'm here with Jack Duffin and Ian Wright. Jack, how are you feeling, buddy? Um, disappointing day. It's um it's it's not playoffs over or anything. Um, but it's just one where you sit there and there's more problems as this season goes on. We came out the first week, yeah, it was a an L, but there was lots of positives and the Browns hype train was really, really going. And then since then it's just been disaster after disaster. Ian. I think it's just left me wondering, do we really know who the team is to make a play today there's there's nobody i mean you have all these names you know we've got the odells the jarvises the chubs we've got all these names everybody knows them. but when a play needed to be made nothing so do we really know what this team is that the biggest question i left with today was who are the browns what what are they who are they how are they supposed to operate a letdown waiting to happen that's what the browns are i'll tell you and listen, I know sometimes there's funny times in the NFL. Hell, the football gods gave us a gift today and let the Jets beat the Bengals. So I get it. Those type of things happen. But this game today was winnable in every sense of the word. And it, it's like the Steelers were like, hey, you guys, come, just come win this game. Here, come on down. Come, come win it again. And the Browns were like, no, we're good, fam. Thanks. I'm good. Uh, guys, are we looking into this too much? We are nine games left. Is that correct? Uh, we've won four, we've lost four. It, it all depends what you want the team to be doing. If you want the team to just compete for playoffs, then hey, that's fine. If you actually want your team to win Super Bowls, then no, we're not looking into too much. And uh, there are different fans that have different expectations for this team, and that's perfectly fine. But this is probably the best roster we'll ever see for the Cleveland Browns in terms of talent throughout because this is the final year until you really need to start dismantling it and going cheaper, making decisions on lots and lots of players, and it's not living up to anyone's expectation. All right, well, let's um, let's try and rate each department out of 10. Offense, Ian, we're going to give it out of 10? The one, two, two, maybe? Let's go with a two, two. Baker didn't, Baker didn't get hurt, so I guess that's a benefit. But, I mean, offensively, the offensive line, four sacks. And listen, I know some are on Baker. I get it. You know, but Baker ended 20 of 31, 225, no touchdowns, no picks. But we only had 96 total yards rushing as a team. You know, we did complete passes to nine different receivers, which I guess is okay. But at the end of the day, you turn the ball over. You didn't pick up a fourth down there really wasn't much of anything on offense. It was just, you scored 10 points. I know the Steelers have a good defense, but you probably left more than 10 points on the field. You left more points on the field than you scored. Fail. Failing grade. 
Uh, Ian, one thing is, a trend that I'm seeing with the Browns is on third downs, four downs, fourth downs, we're not getting the conversions. Because the biggest difference, and I, I, I've said it, people may agree or disagree, the biggest difference between this year and last year is our offensive tackles are not giving us the production they did last year. Now, are they giving us the worst production in the league? No. But when Conklin went out, and you know, I'm, I'm happy it's not a leg injury, but at the end of the day, if it's a broken wrist or I don't know, have you guys seen anything on the injury on that? Elbow is the initial report. Elbow. So if you know, there's a Joe Thomas torn tricep type of thing there. I mean, he's done for the year. When I saw him go out and I knew that Blake Hans was coming in and listen, Blake Hans has been very serviceable, but you're asking him to go out there and block TJ. Why? You know? So then all of a sudden Stefanski, I was also, I was chatting about this with a couple of my friends. I feel like 50% of the time I love his play calls and 50% of the time I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Like, there's no, okay. I understand that. Like, it just seems like the, when we're not executing and now I will say Romo came out and said, these are some of the most fantastically designed plays. I mean, he said it a couple of times about Stefanski's play design, but the Browns lack of execution. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. We're not executing. Um, do you think Stefan's too predictable? No, I don't think he's I, half the time. I don't know what the hell he's doing. He can't be predictable. I just on think on first third down, down. For, uh, the first Seven nine, first eight or nine, it was all but one were passes on yeah. first down, which is exactly where you want to be. Yeah. The, the problem is, is it's fourth down and you're like, okay, let's go. And you just don't execute. It, it's not just the end fourth of the, down. It's, it's the mistakes on second and third down that are causing oh, the issues and, down and, the line. And, you know, to be fair, we killed Freddie Kitchens. We killed Hugh Jackson. We've killed every coach in Cleveland for penalties. And the Browns are the most penalized team yardage-wise in the NFL. And they aren't just penalties. They are dumb penalties. Hollywood Higgins, I'm sorry, anytime a wide receiver has a false start, it makes me question what you're doing as a football player. You, you, you don't listen to the snap count. You stare in at the ball. When the ball moves, you move. Where was Hollywood Higgins going? It's third and 11. What are we doing? These are just stupid penalties. That's on coaching. That's what everybody's told me. No, 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 no. It's, it's not on the players that just grab and have lack of technique, blah, 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 blah. It's coaching. So if we're going to pin something on the coaching staff, these penalties have to get under control. Cause you're just, you're just pooping down your leg every time you give them five yards or 10 yards here and there. I mean, Ronnie Harrison, what are you doing? It, it was a free play for the defense. Yeah, they did all the good stuff. And then he is no need for him to do that. Mate, he's out of bounds and he goes and bashes him. And I get, they know each other. Listen, I get it. You know, Najee Harris, you're Alabama boys. But what are you doing? You just negated a 10 yard penalty. The, the crazy part is it's not even the dumbest thing that happened all day. Thank you, Mike Tomlin, for that. It was the only win we had. We didn't have the dumbest play of the day. Uh, I, I think we also need to look at some of the issues. And, and whether you blame Jarvis Landry for the um, fumble or where you stand on that, when you reduce the amount of drives in a game, by running the ball heavily. And I think it was something like a five and a half minute drive that resulted in that turnover. Um, You're talking about the fourth down one? Yeah. Yeah, it was at eight um, minute, 45, pl- or I'm sorry, eight play, 45 yard, four and a half minute drive that we went over on downs. But 
every time you slow the game down, you have less drives in it, which means the more fluky, lucky stuff that involves turnovers, things like that, means they have a greater impact on the game than your actual quality of your team. If your team's good, you want to go quick because going quick means more drives, less chance of flukiness and more chance of talent shining through. And the Browns are set up to just play chance, play luck. And it's just not sustainable because you need so many more drives if you're a run-first team rather than a pass-first team. You also have so much of a higher risk of penalties causing extra downs because a team that passes and moves down the field in four or five chunk plays has a a lot less chances of turning it over. Plus, they'll get a lot more um, pass interference, which they've been calling all the time, and the Browns just don't put themselves in a position to get those flags. And then you just see stuff like this kill you because if you have five, three, four, three, four more drives per game for each team, a Jarvis Landry interception a fumble doesn't kill you in the same way. So you're actively hurting yourself making these decisions and it, it needs to stop. If you want to be a run first team, that's fine. If you're in the NFL in the nineties, the early two thousands. Yeah, to your point, Jack, in the second half, you had four possessions. The first one was the one where they went down the field, eight plays, 86 yards, four minutes and 19 seconds with a touchdown. Then you went three plays, four yards for two minutes, eight plays, 60 yards, five minutes with the fumble, eight plays, 35 yards, two and a half minutes. So the Browns at one point in the second half had 19 plays, 99 yards, almost 10 minutes of time and no points. No points. So it it's one of those things where you needed a guy to step up and make a play today and you didn't have it happen. And yeah, you're right. Jarvis Landry, he is going to want, he's going to want to crawl in a hole after today. Today was definitely not a great day for him. And it's, it's the fact that you've got one of the most expensive wide receiver tandems in the NFL. And if you look at, would you rather have Adam Thielen and, um, Justin Jefferson, would you rather have the trio of rookie deal players in um, the Bengals? Would you rather have, uh, I just don't even rank them very highly. If you look at them as a pair, you don't even put them in the top half of the league now. And that's just a shambles for what they've collected. And I know it's not players um, Andrew Berry's gone out and actively signed, but he's not really been in a position to get rid of them because there's so many things on the roster that need fixing. But we need to see that this offseason. There has to be a complete overhaul. Listen, it's here's the one thing, and we'll, we might do a show before this. The NFL trade deadline is on Tuesday, Tuesday at 4 o'clock. Jack, you're 100% right. We have, what, over $30 million in receivers that today was targeted 11 times, 10 for Landry, one for Beckham. They had a total a total of on 11 targets, six catches, 71 yards, 65 yards for Landry, six for Odell Beckham, $30 million in wide receivers. Are there guys out there that can give you that performance better? I would likely think so, but we won't get too much down that road. Cause I think we want to have a couple of bi-week shows and I'm going to give Mr. Odell a chance to prove me wrong in the next couple of weeks here. But you got to start asking yourself, who is Odell Beckham? We talk about the questions on the Browns. We talk about the offense. He's allegedly 
this top talent and we can't get him the ball. The only catch he today he had was on a bubble screen. And and so. just just on that, I just want to touch back on the Bengals. We heard all off season that the Bengals needed O line or they just gonna fall apart and Burroughs was gonna die. And they went, no, sod that. We're gonna keep adding wide receiver talent. They've got three fantastic wide receivers. The O line's not an issue. The O line and investing ridiculously heavy in the O line is just not sustainable if that comes at the expense of other skill positions, predominantly the wide receiver core. If you look at the best teams in the league, why, why were Tampa Bay able to go for it? Because they had An- Antonio Brown as their third wide receiver. I'm not going to say you're going to create that as a team, but you've got to get better uh, wide receiver talent. It's about what are you producing in all of the top three wide receivers because they can close one or two guys off. Very few defense can ever close three wide receivers off and there is no depth and nothing in that room there's been a complete lack of investment in there um and what we've managed to get out of those two trades just is shambles really Let, let's uh, this is the last point on the offense because like i said we're talking some bigger show stuff to keep it to the free game how much is on baker legitimately how much is on baker Mayfield? i thought he was good on the first drive and after that is a bit uh he has some of the more impressive incompletions, but without knowing the everything that's going on, for me, it's just it's a question of when he misses, he misses in the same thing every single time. He misses high. His inaccuracy at times, his inability to throw away the ball. You just have to ask yourself sometimes, like, what is he? Is he worth 30 million? Is he a guy that you're gonna just, you know, always go maybe 500 a little bit better with? You know, he didn't throw any interceptions today and at the end of the day, the Landry pass was actually one of his better throws of the day. And then I don't know what the hell Jarvis is doing. Fumbles the ball, but I got to see more out of Baker and I got to see more down the field. But I don't think I'm going to see anything from Baker that says he is on the same level as Patrick Mahomes, Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, those guys that that's the level you need to be at. If you're going to pay 40 million a year to 30, 40, it don't really matter. He's going to get paid a lot more than eight and a half. And it's is mediocrity. Okay. And for some fans, they're saying, hey, we haven't had a quarterback this good in ages. We're happy with that. And that's fine. If you want the Andy Dalton, the Derek Cars, the high-level Philip Rivers, he's not Kirk Cousins. Don't, don't people conflate that. Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than um, Baker Mayfield. He's in that tier below that. Um, that, for me, is not good enough. Um, and it just depends what people's aspirations are. Yeah, it's a little bit of risk. And people go, oh, why would you give up on what you've got? Well, Kansas City could have stayed with Alex Smith. And if they'd have stayed with Alex Smith, they wouldn't have a Super Bowl ring and been to another Super Bowl. I think we right, guys, let's move. Offense. What do you think? One Let, or two, Paul? Let's go with two. Um, there were some times of excitement, so I'm going to give it a two. What was the most exciting time of the game for you, Paul? Uh, probably... Chubb, Chubb's 10-yard run, I think, was probably the exciting. Dearness Johnson's touchdown run? No, the second play of the game, I think he's on about. the. Uh, we passed on first down, and then uh, Chubb ran out to the, uh, the, Down the side wide line, left. Yeah. 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 It was good. It was, it's passing to set up the run, exactly how he should do it. And it was refreshing. We, we saw the passing on first down, and what happened with that drive? We went and we got all the way down to the end zone and then bottled it. Pass the bloody uh, defense. Ball. Jack, what are you giving the score out of ten? Um, I want to say 
I would like to say a seven, but I'm going to go six. Interesting. Six. Ian, what are you going to go with? I kind of think six. Here's the thing. The, the, the Browns as a team needed the defense to create a turnover. They didn't do it. So I'm in the five, six category. <laughs> they played well. They held an inept offense to 15 points. Um, they got a couple sacks. Malcolm Smith batted away. Uh, Grant Delpit's interception. But outside of that, defense didn't create any turnovers. You know, they forced the one fumble on uh, Ray Ray McLeod, didn't recover it. Um, I thought Mac Wilson at least played halfway decent today, but, you know, losing another injury. You tell me. I'd go in the middle. I I think I thought Newsom's tackle was the highlight of the defense. I thought the Garrett sack was pretty good, too. Yeah, Miles Garrett on Big Ben was lovely to see. I mean, yeah, the Browns just... had a couple of nice defensive plays. Clowney uh, making the stop on the running back on the left-hand side. Garrett making the stop on Balazs on the other side. They had flashes. They did well. But the to Jack's point earlier about we're cutting down the number of possessions with long drives, you need to turn them over. You have to get a turnover. You have to get you know a game-changing play that's going to give you that extra possession because today Steelers won the toss. Steelers had 10 possessions. Browns had nine. You needed to flip that. Mm. All right, well, let's go over six. Anything else you want to discuss on the defense? It's just, we're really struggling with uh, DBs. Injuries. Um, It's the end of Ronnie Harrison. The play has really regressed this year. Um, The silly penalties and then uh, the fact that he's got Drew Rosenhaus as his uh, agent. Uh, We we were discussing... (laughs) the uh, podcast chat of uh, which one of those three is the worst. <laughs> and uh, I don't think anyone really knows, but uh, yeah, it, this is last year. He's done. Yeah. Well, that now you have the issue with John Johnson potentially being out with that next thing or so, you know, we, we had 10 days to relish in the joy Just from the Thursday night when, yeah, hey, they got to do something. I mean, luckily Newsom came back in the game. Denzel Ward's on his annual 10 or five game vacation, which seems to be a controversial hot talk, hot take for me to say. But yeah, if John Johnson's out, Delpit, I don't know where to, I don't know what to do with him. I know he's in his second year. I know he missed an entire year. But at the end of the day, like, and Jack, I think, and you're seeing the Leonard Fournette play. It's, it's mad. Yeah, but you know, with Delpit, you're missing tackles. You're playing out of position. You're you're taking bad tackling angles. A lot of the things we saw his senior year at LSU is what we're starting to see now. So I'm going to need better play out of him. For those, don't, for those that are timing up our recording session, if you just saw Leonard Fournette catch a ball, fumble, then bounce it at the one-yard line where the Saints recovered, that's what Jack is reacting to. Madness. The Saints, I'm telling you, they have Tampa's number. They have it. They don't need Jameis Winston. They got Trevor Simeon, baby. Paul, what do you, from a defensive standpoint, because I know you're not watching this game considering all your lights are out and you're in bed. What defensively, Mate. what defensive upsides are you seeing? Never, ever doubt Mr. Brown. Never what? Oh, he's got the key on. The only light in his room. Yeah, like, oh, this is so annoying. You know, we need turnovers. Like, last season, we beat the Steelers because of turnovers. Where, where have they all gone? Why have they all dried up? I think defensively, A, 
people are starting to, I mean, you really have to neutralize Miles Garrett. And then the ball's coming out quick. I mean, Roethlisberger wasn't holding on to it too much. And let's be honest, it's not like he had some record-breaking game against the defense. I mean, he finished 22 of 34, 266 with one touchdown. Najee Harris had 26 carries for 3.5 yards of carry. Nothing about this is killer, right? What what they basically did is they just didn't let the Browns score. Jarvis fumbling inside the, you know, the 10-yard or inside the 20-yard line, us going for it and getting stopped. I mean, their defense won them that game. It's not like their offense was out there, you know, dynamite. I, mean, I know that the, the stats look a little different because Deontay Johnson took, you know, a 50-yard uh, 50 slant with, on third and garbage time. But, you know, defensively, Clowney and Garrett look good, but nobody in the secondary. I mean, we had an interception. Grand Delpit, they threw it right to him. Malcolm Smith said, no, 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 no I'm going to bat that away from him. And then Delpit's looking at him like, what are you doing? You see me right here. What are you doing? And if, however good – Clowney and Garrett are a. It's not sustainable because Clowney's playing that well that he's going to get paid somewhere else this offseason. And pass rush, it pass rush is important. You can't have one or the other. You need both. But pass rush is obviously secondary to DBs in the secondary, and there is nothing more clear than the Browns this year that it doesn't matter what's going on up front. We we have one of the best edge tandems in the NFL, and it doesn't matter. Because if you haven't got the secondary working and really grinding, then you can have anything going up front. The odd part, though, Jack, I thought Greg Newsom, I mean, he for a rookie good. corner, he's pretty damn good. And I, I maybe I'm just getting house money with Greedy Williams, but like Greedy had that great pass breakup on second down to get the ball back there in the fourth quarter. You know, there's been a couple times where they ran comeback routes where Newsom had his hips flipped the wrong way on the one play, and then Greedy kind of, I think, got caught cheating, think it was going to be a vertical route, and they ended up breaking it off. So, yeah, there's they had give they had given up some completions. But, you know, when Denzel Ward decides to come back from his holiday and Greedy Williams and um, Greg Newsom are all playing pretty solid, the issue to me seems in the safeties. Yeah. And we went out and got John Johnson. You know, we paid money for that. We made a trade for Ronnie Harrison, and that hasn't been great. We invested second-round capital on Grant Delpit, and the performance right now we're getting on them safeties is just very bad. Yeah, it's one of them that everywhere you look, the whole room is good or the whole room's bad. It's like the, the corner room's all been good. The safety room's all been bad. The linebacker room's been good. The DT room's been awful. The edge room's been good. The wide receiver room's been bad. The running back room's been good. The O-line room, the interior O-line room's been good. The tackles have been bad. The quarterback play's been okay. And it's like, there's not like players that are doing well and players doing bad. It's just entire position rooms are not good this year or good this year. And it, that is what is just killing us. All right, special teams. What are we going to give it out of 10? 11. I mean, Jordan Elliott, with the special teams play of the game, baby. Jack? I'm, I'm, I'm being slightly facetious, but. Oh, I want right, to give. Jack, Jack, here, I'll give you. You want the stats? The special yeah. team stats? McLaughlin, obviously, two for two, banging on like others. Uh, Gillen, four punts, 49.2 average, long of 56, one inside the 20. Schwartz with the worst kickoff return in NFL history, uh, went for 10 yards. And Demetric Felton had two returns for a whopping of one yard. Longest was one. And one of them, he went backwards. I think 
just purely on the interim Boswell, I think you've got to go an eight because it just yeah, makes such a meaningful impact on the game that you saw how much problems that created the Steelers just from that play. And, and they did well because it caught they me by job. surprise. Um, it's one that wouldn't have surprised me if it goes for a TD there because I don't think anyone was expecting that to be the call. So, um, no, I, I, I think an eight's fair. I mean, yeah, I would say you're talking eight. And Steelers, honestly, on their side, um, they had two kickoffs. The longest was 25. So you're talking about good coverage there. They had the one return on punt where they got 19 yards. I think that's the one where Gillen hit a pretty, pretty big leg kick. Um, but yeah, I think Tomlin, if I'm being, I mean, I will just tell you the Steelers nation was not all that happy about that call. But ironically enough, I think Tomlin must have saw something on tape that the Browns overcommit to a block on one side. The only thing I have to say, I think it was like a 28-yard field goal. Most teams don't go all out to block 28-yard field goals because they're very, I mean, it was a 92, 93% uh, complete or, you know, success rate. So it's one of those ones where I'm not sure that would have been the right one to go for. But then if you're Boswell, and I'm just going to tell you, as somebody who has been in this position, okay, back in high school, there was a five-star linebacker. I'll tell this story if he's listening to the podcast. You may remember it. Five-star linebacker coming out of Avon Lake High School. His name was Mike D'Andrea. Ends up going to uh, Ohio State, ironically enough. But I had hit a punt. I'm rolling out to the right, and I forget that once a punter goes across the line of scrimmage, you're a blocker. And he comes over with about as much force, and this guy could squat seven buildings. He was like the Superman of high school football. And he hits me square as Chris Boswell gets hit. And my 155-pound carcass goes about five yards in the air. And the film back then was a little bit grainier. So luckily there wasn't nine angles in a 5D overhead of my just body going barreling to the ground. Okay. The point of me saying all this is Chris Boswell is built smaller than my current build. He's about six foot, about a buck 80. Jordan Elliott's 300 pounds. Okay. They are fast. As soon as there was five defenders in your purview, you throw that thing away. You aren't Tom Brady. You aren't Mahomes. That, that, why he held on to the ball that long as a kicker, I'm the only kicker here. You can't do that. You have to throw that ball to Jackson Mahomes in the stands or wherever he's doing his next TikTok video and move on to the next play. It didn't work. Prefer, they snuffed it out, throw it away and get back in the game. Cause you're right. The Brown special teams hitting him, knocking him literally out of the play and out of the game was pretty much the only turnover worthy play they had all day. It had, it was did more impact than anything. The defense mustered or offense. So yeah, I would say an eight's fair for that. How do you think the Scottish hammer did four punts, 50 yard average, 56 long one inside the 20. That's, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. I'd have to check all these like punting metrics and all this other crap that people throw out there. But I definitely think he's going more for distance now. I was trying to watch a little bit of his drops. Um, now, in several occasions when he was backed up and punting, um, they were going for distance. He's not trying to pin the ball. And the one I think that he got inside 20 was on a roll. But I think he's punting better. Um, I mean, if you want to give me a second, I will pull up the punting stats to see how he's affected. Mm. Jack, um... Special teams, you feel everything's going in the right direction? 
it's just okay. Um, I, I, to be fair, I, I never expect a turnover or something crazy to be produced from special teams, but then I just don't want them to do something stupid. So as long as they, every game, come out cost neutral, then I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, if your special teams is either losing or winning a the game, then that's where the problem lies somewhere. Um, you don't need to ever be relying on them. So, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't bother me allowing them to just do what they do. And we've just got an uphill offense. Yeah, just so you know, the Browns have moved since the last time we checked. The Browns have upped their net putting average by about three yards. They, so they were below 40. Now they're at 42. Uh, the leader in the league right now are the Lions uh, at 47. So 46, 45, 44. Right in that 42 to 44 is pretty range in terms of the net. Um, in terms of the long, obviously he has the 65 yarder, which is up there. Um, I didn't realize the guy from the, the Packers had an 82-yard punt earlier in the season, so that's skewing that stat a little bit. Hey, you hit a line, you hit a line drive into, with the wind, baby, and that thing bounces. Punters are people too, baby. Uh, and next call is, uh, what's next for the Browns? What should we do for uh, between now and the Bengals? I don't know if he's the answer, but it's worth taking. I don't think they want to trade him. All the noise is they don't want to trade him, but Brandon Cook's. My issue with taking Brandon Cooks in a trade is what what's that going to cost you? Because we need those resources to keep rebuilding a team. And the other part of the equation is his deal next year is like 12 and a half million. We don't really want to be paying that. So um, it's one where we're in a really, really, really tough position. Um, they just need to get it together decide what they're going to do and for me i'm happy as fancy's play call and i know lots of people aren't um yeah i'd love to see a lot more uh pass but if uh, that's always gonna be the case for me the biggest issue is and it, I, I find this crazy that i'm gonna say this you know who we missed the most today donovan people's jones we needed a guy with a six foot four frame because listen i love jarvis and this is why i don't want brandon cooks i don't want another 510 180 pound receiver I've got Odell at 5'11". I got Jarvis at 5'10". I got Demetric Felton. I got Hollywood Higgins is like 6'1". We missed Donovan Peoples-Jones at 6'4". What did, Clay, what did Chase Claypool do today? He boxed out a DB, catches the ball, and burrows his way for five, eight yards. We don't have that. We have possession shifty guys. That's why it's easy to take them out. If you're going to go get a wide receiver, go get me a Josh Reynolds. Go get me somebody big. I need big. I need size. I'm watching DK Metcalf throw around Jaguars DBs like they're just butternut squash. Goodbye. So enough of the 5, 10, 12 million dollar receivers. We're good on them. Brandon Cooks has one of the worst hamstrings in the history of the NFL. Okay, I'm good on that one. So if you're going to go get me somebody, get me a big boy. Give me somebody. Or get Donovan Peoples joins his groin right and get him back out there because David Njoku started to turn into a weapon because of size. Austin Hooper, when the ball's thrown like in his catchable frame, he's great. When it's thrown about two inches off, he just completely poopies his pants. That whole first drive, by the way, is, is changed. If Austin Hooper is able to throw that, yes, the pass is high. If two hands hit the ball, catch the ball, Austin Hooper, he probably stumbles down to the two-yard line, one-yard line, maybe you punch that in for a touchdown. So that's my thing on the down line. If you're going to get somebody, get me a big boy. But no, when it comes up to the bye week, which uh, I think two more weeks, Browns. Browns yeah. I think we're like week 13. I think we got like five. We're going to do a whole State of the Union series of shows. Well, that's the plan. Um, and we'll have a really, really good look at what happens now, what happens moving forward. So it's always a good time to take stock and have a really, really good look. But uh, 
It, it I just won. want to know what the hell's going on with Odell. I just, yeah. I, how do you, one target? One. And and every time Van Pelt's ask, he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to work him in. We're going to work him in. And it's, it, it's just weird. Um, is it one they eat the salary and they try flip him to the Saints or the uh, Packers? Who knows? Um, because they're not going to be able to take his deal on. You'd have to uh, eat a large amount of his uh, salary um, and do a rework deal to get that through. But um, it's just weird. Yeah. Hey, I'll take Michael Thomas. You guys can have Odell. We'll take Michael Thomas. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I'm going to finish up by saying... We've got the we've got the Bengals, we've got the Pats, we've got the Lions all coming up. Hang in there, it's gonna be okay. I think the one cure they may have is the Bengals, because as we know, Mike White, the fighting Mike White's from Western Kentucky, just lit the Bengals up for four hundred yards. And if I'm not mistaken, Baker's had some pretty good success over the years against the Bengals. So a woeful offense may need the Bengals defense as a cure, but I would take the over next week because I have a funny feeling that Bengals deep our offense is gonna carve up our defense. So Listen, hey, it's another divisional game. You got Romo and Nance for all you uh, superstitious guys out there, you know, that say that we can't win with them calling. So at the end of the day, you're going to be back on primetime. If you win, you're right back there in front of the division. You know, by the Bengals losing, we're four and four. Steelers are four and three. You know, Bengals are five and three. The division's still there for the winning. You just got to get hot. And the offense has to get going. You got to get that running game going. You know, I thought Teller and Batonio today had decent games, but. You know, hopefully Conklin's not out. Because if he's out, that's tough losing an all-pro out there. All right, go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.